So in case you haven't met Jackie, this is the lovely Jackie Nicholl. And uh, Jackie has uh, been part of our church for a, a while. We'll hear more about that in a moment. But uh, you will have seen Jackie on Welcome many times, whether that's arriving or saying goodbye to you uh, with her lovely warmth and her smile. She also leads one of our life groups. And as if that wasn't enough, she's also just stepped into being part of the leadership of community group in Oxford Road. So let's give Jackie... Uh, a massive welcome. Um, so Jackie, um, first and foremost, just tell us how you came to be at Riverside and how long you've been coming, if you can remember how long it's been. Okay. Um, I, I can't quite remember how long I've been coming to Riverside, to be honest. Um, I definitely think it's over, I think it's around eight years, maybe slightly more or slightly less, but it's around that mark. Um, but I work at Matthew Bolton College in the city centre. And how I found out about Riverside was um, I got to meet Paula Douglas. I'm sure some of you know Paula Douglas. And she used to teach at the college. Um, and the more I met her, the, the more I sent such a beautiful glow about the lady. Um, you could just tell by speaking to her and being with her that she had a faith and I remember looking at her and thinking, I would love to have a faith like that, that somebody can see immediately when they meet you. And um, I did ask her what, where she went, and she said she came to Riverside. And I did pop my head in a couple of times, um, but different things went on, so I didn't settle. Um, but a few years later, I came, and I, I think I've been coming regularly now, probably for the last seven years, I think, so and gotten more, more involved. But it's basically I'm here because of Paula Douglas, so you can blame her. <laughs> <laughs> That's really encouraging to hear and certainly to pass that on to Paula as well. Um, we'll. We'll leave that for now and just go back to your early childhood, uh, if we can, Jackie, because I know they were turbulent years for you. Um, do you want to just share a little bit with us from among friends and family um, as to what that was like and perhaps the impact it's had on you emotionally? Yeah. Um, I'm one of um, technically five siblings, but uh, one passed away when she was very young, so four siblings. Um, my mother and father, my father's Scottish, my mother's Irish. Um, they met in Scotland and it was basically a marriage made in hell. Uh, they should never really have got together, but I think my dad married mom out of spite to his mother because um, mom was a little Irish girl, 16. Um, very pretty and you know what have you and dad had been brought up Church of Scotland very strict um, his mother was extremely strict with him and she was Church of Scotland so you know um, dad is an atheist basically um, and mum was at the time a good Catholic girl so they got married and uh, mum had her children virtually immediately you know uh, she'd had the five of us by the time she was 24 um, but it was a very turbulent marriage. Um, the oldest two and, and Caroline were born in Scotland, but they moved to Birmingham, and that's where myself and my other sister, I'm the youngest, uh, were born. And I think even by the time they come to Birmingham, it, it basically finished, but, you know, back in the 60s, it was still a bit of a to-do, leaving your husband, especially if you've got kids and what have you. Um, and dad was a lorry driver at this point, so he used to go off for weeks upon end. You wouldn't see him. And 
mom couldn't cope with being a mom, to be honest with you. She was so young and also losing one child um, to a cot death. Um, she, couldn't, she couldn't deal with it, to be quite honest with you. I can see that now as an adult, but as a child, I didn't understand it. And uh, she used to run away a lot and leave... Um, Uh, sorry, I did think I was not going to cry today, but I do apologise. Um, so my old, my brother, who is the oldest, he used to look after us, um, which is very difficult for a young lad to look after three little girls. And a lot of the time there was no food. Um, obviously, we weren't getting cleaned or looked after properly, and they weren't going to school. Um, a lot of things were going on and at different points already at, at that time we'd been put in children's homes. I don't remember my time because I was a baby, very young, but the other three do remember their times in different homes. Anyway, basically dad went, um, the, we got, they got divorced I believe and dad took us, mum had run away so many times um, that she wasn't in a state to actually look after us or in a position to look after us. Um, she kept, she was having nervous breakdowns and lots of different things going on. Um, so we ended up in a place called Hensford. I don't know if you've heard of Hensford, Cannock and all around there. And dad's uh, mother came to look after us from Scotland because she found out he had actually found another four children's homes. He was going to split us all up and put us individual homes again. So his mother put a stop to that. She came and looked after us for quite a few years. We ended up going to school, you know, being washed and clean. And um, this was my first taste of actually going to church. Um, we went to a school called St. Peter's and the church was right next to it. And Gran had got um, the older ones involved with the church, but I was too young. Am I waffling on? No, Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, but every Saturday morning, back then, there seemed to be weddings every Saturday. So I was allowed to sit at the back of the church and watch these weddings, which I used to love. And um, I was so desperate to be in the choir. And I think about that time, I might have been around five, six, that age, maybe coming up to seven, I'm not sure. Um, but Gran was very strict with us as well, um, to be quite honest with you. There was... It was still quite a stressful childhood, but I loved going to the church. I loved the vicar and um, his family, um, and I just loved going there. So I remember he came up to us one Sunday, or not Sunday, sorry. We had, uh, they had choir practice on Thursday. I don't think I was involved. But anyway, he came up to me at some point, and he said, Jackie, can you read? And I went, yeah, yeah, I can read, I can read. Well, then you can go and join the choir. I couldn't read to be quite honest with you. I, I genuinely could not read, um, but I was just so excited and uh, to be able to join the choir and have my little purple robes. Um, I've got to be honest, I didn't understand really what God was about. I'd heard the name Jesus, but I just knew even then it was a safe place. Um, that went on for a, maybe a year or so, and unfortunately, Gran then had a heart attack. Um and my dad came home with a lady one Sunday night and introduced her as a stepmother. This is your new mom. Call her Auntie Faye. And then life totally changed very, very drastically from there. So, um, 
Um, I know they were difficult times as well. Um, with your relationship with, with Faye, um, there was quite an abusive element to that in the early days. Very much so. Um, she had a very, very quick temper and quite a violent temper. Um, when Gran came to look after us, we were wild. We didn't go to school and we couldn't read and write and we were dirty. But Gran put manners on us and sent us to school and kept us clean. And we were all given jobs to do, even from, you know, little ones. But we all had responsibilities. So when Faye come onto the scene, we had already been well-trained children. Children, you know, who didn't answer back. Children who did as they're told. But even so, Faye would literally... She would just lose the plot and she would beat us with whatever she had, it would be metal pokers, canes, broomsticks, just anything really. Um, she made our lives very, very painful and very scary. Dad was there, but he was doing his lorries and he never interfered. And I know he knew what was going on, but he never did much about it. And one by one, Leslie left first. He ran away, and then I think maybe six months, a year later, Belinda ran away, and that left me and Kathleen there. Faye did have two children of her own who were younger than me. And we used to see a lot of time that Dad would play with her children. He would have them on her knees, on his knees, sorry. And I remember as a child thinking, you know, I never remember Dad putting me on his knee and playing with me, and um, I think it was... It was such a, a scary childhood. And I did used to go to bed thinking I was going to be murdered that night and I wouldn't wake up. And you got all that stuff going in your head. But if you ever met her, you would think she's the most loveliest lady you've ever met. She's very intelligent. You know, she can be so lovely, but there is such a cruel streak in that woman. And it damages you mentally as well as physically. But um, anyway, by the time I was 12, we did used to get and go and see mom every now and again. And I remember this one day, Kathleen said, we don't want to go back. So we ended up staying with mom in Birmingham. And what surprised me the most is dad come to sort of beg us back. And I'm like, why have you come? You know, you, you obviously don't want us. He always used to say he didn't, that if it wasn't for us, he'd be in Australia and all that sort of crap um and i think all of this time jackie um if I'm, I'm not mistaken you saw god as a very kind of punishing um figure really uh, um yeah understandably. I, could, I couldn't understand why if this god was a loving god why he would let this go on mm. um and we were still going to church at that point because that would be when faye could get rid of us um and it was a relief actually to go to church and go to choir practice. Um, shall I tell the story? There's, about yeah, the there's a little cheeky story now to just lighten the mood slightly. Do you want to just share yeah. about your your naughty episode with sweets? Yeah. So we used to have choir practice on Thursday night, and um, especially in the winter, we, before we all went into church, all the kids, the graveyards were behind and it was really dark. And so we used to play chase or hide behind a grave and jump out at somebody. We were, it was just very strange. But this one, um, 
And then we'd go and do choir practice. You know, this one day we went to a shop and me and my sister dared each other because we weren't allowed sweets or pocket money or anything like that. We dared each other to go and steal a packet of sweets from this shop. And I remember there were little red cherry lips. Do you remember those? And they were tiny little cherry lips. Anyway, we got these and we ate them and we were eating them while we were doing choir practice. But as the evening was wearing on, we were getting a little bit sick and we thought it was only the sweets. Anyway, when by the time we got home, we really felt really ill. And we'd gone to bed, and I remember saying to Kathy, you know, it's God, he's gonna, we're going to die, we're going to die, because we stole sweets. So the pair of us were hanging on to each other and praying, oh, God, we're like, we're really sorry, we won't steal ever again, ever again, we won't steal. What I didn't realise is that the rest of the family was ill. Faye had done a sausage casserole, not cooked it correctly, so they were all dying, but because we'd... Sp- stole the sweets we didn't want to tell her that we were ill because we knew we'd get a a belting for it so it was only when she was talking to her sister that we found out that everybody else was willing it was like oh thank god for that but um yeah that was my first criminal act (laughs) oh and uh, just moving on a little bit then jackie uh, unsurprisingly uh, each of you kind of either ran away or left the home and you went to liverpool and to london after that in your sort of late teens and your early 20s um i know you, you sort of said to me that you were looking for love and hope but in all the wrong places maybe do you want to just share a bit about that yes definitely um yeah, I ended up in London, I think it was 1981, and um, I wasn't a wild child, but I was a silly girl, and I did and then I did used to drink a lot, go out a lot, I made lots of stupid decisions and um, put myself in a lot of danger at different times, and I was desperately trying to find somebody um, who would see me that I, you know, a nice, a good person, someone to love. But I felt so unloved. I genuinely didn't know how to care for somebody who was nice to me as well. So I, it was very strange. I couldn't deal with people being nice to me because I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, if I found an idiot, that would be the one I would go for because I could almost understand him more so than somebody who was good because I didn't understand that they could see good in me. Um, so for quite a few years, I I did lead a very, um, well, you know, silly life. I, you know, I ended up with people I shouldn't have ended up with. I ended up in situations I shouldn't have and drank an awful lot. Um, yeah, it, it took quite a long time for that, for me to change that behavior. Um. One very beautiful redeeming thing came out of that time though and that was that you gave birth to your wonderful son Jay who I know is a community group we've prayed for for many years and is the blessing of your life. Um, I think, were you 35? Is that okay to say? Yes, I was, yeah. yeah, Um, When you had him, uh, do you want to just tell us a little bit about Jay? Yeah. Um, So I had moved around, I'd lived in London, I'd lived in Merseyside, I'd gone to America for six months, see my sister, and I was doing all sorts of different things, trying to find where I belonged. Ended up back in Birmingham, and I've always worked through all these situations, I've always worked, um, never highly paid jobs, but I have always worked. But anyway, um, yeah, just before I was 35, I met this person um, who I knew 
when I when I met him, I also oh he's a nice guy, he's very polite, you know, always dresses well, blah blah blah. Um, and you'd think people would know better at thirty five, but you know, obviously I didn't. I ended up being pregnant very quickly into the relationship. Um, and I knew immediately this man was not the man who was going to be a good father to my child, but I felt I had to give it the opportunity to be a father. So I was 35 when I had Jay. But previous to that, because of different things in my past life, I've been told that I probably couldn't have a child or I'd be it'd be very difficult for me to get um, pregnant. So I thought I'm never going to have a child. So... Um, when I was pregnant with Jay, to me, that was an absolute miracle because I didn't think it was ever going to happen. Um, and when I gave birth to him in the December of 97, it genuinely moved my whole heart because God had given me this child. Um, I was petrified because I thought, God, I can't look after myself, let alone a child. How am I going to do that? But it was, it was just so beautiful. And he really was and is a gift from God to me. Um, and he's my saving grace as well, because once I had Jay, I had to, I promised myself to God um, that that child will never have the upbringing I have. He will never know um, hunger. He will never know fear. And, you know, he will know every day that he's loved and wanted. And we do say every day that we love each other, which is, you know, my child knows he's loved. Um, there are times we have nearly gone hungry and I've had people who've helped me, thank God. Um, but it has helped my journey with God as well because in the end I realised that there was a God. It's been a long journey for me. It's been a long journey thinking that I had great difficulty thinking of of him as my father, God, mainly because of my father and seeing different in the lifestyle I was living in the past, it wasn't with good men who were family men or anything like that. So to try and understand and believe and get it in my heart that there is a father God uh, was a big thing for me. And there are times today I still struggle with it, but I, I, genuinely have faith and love in God that he has kept me alive and supported me with Jay. Unfortunately, about seven years ago, I got involved with another idiot. Again, thinking he was lovely and, you know, he got to meet Jay and got we got quite involved. And because he was a non-Christian, it stopped me coming back to church because I was weak, I suppose, I'm not sure. Um, what I didn't realise, it ended up being a violent relationship, but I thought I didn't realise the effect it was having on Jay. And what I didn't know, he was bullying Jay. I didn't see it. Um, for the grace of God, I am still here. And... <sighs> I think it was uh, God who made me see clearly. It was only a two and a half year relationship, but a lot can happen in two and a half years. Um, the only thing I, I really can't forgive 
and, and it's not him, actually, it's me that I didn't see what this guy had done to Jay. And it affected him so much um, that in his late teens, Jay does suffer with depression and anxiety. But Jay was so suicidal. And I couldn't reach him for, for so long. And I was asking everybody at church to pray for him, pray for me. And I was praying to God for forgiveness that I didn't see what was happening to my son. And I promised God that I would look after this child and protect him. Um, it took quite a while, but all the prayers I've had for Jay are working, believe it or not. Jay was drinking and taking drugs and on a self-destruct. And in the end, I think what happened with me and Jay is we literally were screaming at each other, screaming at each other, and we both broke down in tears and everything came out, absolutely everything came out. And I asked for my son for forgiveness. Um, and I said, you know, we can't do anything about the past. We can only move forward. But it's been a growing thing. But all along this time, my church family have supported me so much. And Jesus, Jesus, God, I don't know who they're both. But has, I feel forgiven and I feel supported and I feel loved. Um, I remember you saying, sorry to interrupt, I remember you sorry. saying you used to just come to Riverside and just cry. <laughs> and uh, many of us will, will identify with that at some period in our lives. Um, was that you discovering how loved you were by God or what was that yeah. experience? Because I decided I was sitting on the fence a lot of time when I was going to church. I was going, I wasn't, I was coming back and forward. Um, but when I did have Jay... I'd made that decision, yes, I do believe in God, I do believe in Jesus, and I want this to go on. But then I wavered, you know, throughout the years. But since I've come back, uh, there's a, way, a lot of songs um, by faith alone, believing in God. And I think that's how I've gone forward. By faith alone, he is there, and he's keeping me alive and safe, and I am being a better mother to Jay and hopefully a better friend and a better person to know um, because it's changed everything in the way I think and the things that I do and how I am with people mm. as well. Um, and I think um, what would you say as we sort of draw to a close, what would you say to your 16-year-old self now um, in terms of accepting this love? Because there'll be many of us that identify with how do you accept a loving father when you've been shown an absence of love many times in your life? How do you, have you been able to receive that love, Jackie? I think... If I could talk to the 16 me, the 16-year-old me, um, whether she should actually listen would be another story, but <laughs> um, I would tell her she's loved. She's, you know, at the end of the day, it might not be from your dad or your mum, but you are loved and you are special. And no matter what anybody says, you are a child of God and he does love you. And... They don't, he doesn't always answer your prayers when you want them, but he will answer your prayers if you are faithful and genuine with him. 
because God sees it and he sees your heart and he sees your mind. But I just want her to know she is loved, mm. you know, and I think in this day and age, very much so, I work in a college and I work with young people and I see so many of them are lost and I do fear for them. And I just pray that they have families that love them or meet somebody who can show them there is more to, uh, to this earth and social media. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, but yes, I... And the, yeah. the verse you chose, which is, is really touching, I think, is 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 1, uh, just talking about, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but haven't love, I'm only a resounding gong or a, a clanging cymbal. And I guess um, for someone who found it hard to accept love, even find love in those early days, uh, we all know you as an incredibly loving person, incredibly giving person. Um, how have you been able to forgive? Um, I know you're still on that journey, as many of us are, but how have you been able to find that forgiveness for yourself and for those around you? Um, unfortunately, my brother passed away, ten, uh, I think it's 10 years ago this weekend. But the one thing Leslie used to say is that we have to break the circle of abuse because uh, a lot of families, it can continue through and through, but we have to be strong enough to break that circle. Um, and what Leslie always used to say to me, he said, you know the only one you're hurting is yourself. Dad will never be the dad you want. Mom will never be the mom you want. Um, but the pain you carry from there is only hurting you. It's not, they're getting on with their lives. Mm. They don't realise how much pain they've given you or how it affects your everyday life. And carrying that pain makes you a, not an ugly person, but, you know, you do things out of that pain that you wished you hadn't. Um, and I had to, in the end, give it to God. I literally had to give it to him because I couldn't carry the pain because I wasn't going forward. And I never want to make the same mistake with my son where I don't see the truth. Um, so I literally had to give it to God so I could survive and, and be there for Jay. Um, Jackie won't tell you this, but I was privileged to go to Jackie's mum's funeral. Uh, and Jackie, after all of you've heard she spoke at her mum's funeral uh, and that I think shows you what this freedom can really bring um, to be able to do that lovingly and to be able to see God restore even that relationship and as Jackie says we we do believe in forgiveness and sometimes it's a real struggle to accept that for ourselves uh, but also as as you said so beautifully there Jackie this love enables us to not only accept it but then to forgive others and to share it um as we close, Jackie, um, I just wanted to, to really say, to commend you, there are things that Jackie hasn't said. Uh, one time she, she did, you know, had to get out of that abusive relationship and just had her son in one hand and two bags in the other. Um, and that was it. So when we talk about really reaching the pits, um, Jackie has. And yet you see before you this incredibly gracious and faith-filled woman. woman. And uh, I'm sure you'd like to join me in just thanking Jackie so much um, for her story.
Um, can I just say something though? I, I, I've really got to say this. Um, since I come to Riverside, um, I have met some incredible people. And I don't feel judged, which is a wonderful thing. Um, I started with, um, actually, where Nathan was staying, a couple did my, I did Alpha here. And then we started a little group, which was a wonderful way for me to learn about the Bible. I am dyslexic, um, so I find reading quite difficult. So I do find reading the Bible can be difficult. And my friends will know from my community group, I ask them questions all the time. They have to explain things to me. Um, but my journey, my main journey growing in faith, I have to say, is down to Riverside and the people I've met and the support I've had uh, from Judy and her team, but just from different people that I've met in community groups and in different things that have gone on. I have felt very loved here and I would tell anybody that and I would, you know, recommend everyone to come to Riverside because you are individually wonderful people and so many people here have prayed for me and Jay um, and prayer does make a difference it really does you might not think it some of you but it genuinely does help it really does make a big difference and I just would like to say thank you from my heart really to all of you who I've had a relationship with or even haven't just the fact that I get to see your faces every week and I just feel supported and loved. And I want to thank you all for that. Thank you. <laughs>